Hey everyone, welcome back to North Meets South. This is episode 112. I am really excited uh, to have Sam Carre back on the podcast today. Michael's usually here, uh, but the time zones between the US and the UK and Australia are really tricky to get lined up. So me and Sam are going to go solo on this one. Sam, so, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, Jake. Thanks very much for having me on again. It's great to see you again. Yeah. So you're a returning guest. Last time you were on, we talked about Lasso, uh, which was sort of wrangling your assets and how you can uh, get around some of the common problems that we face with those. And so Lasso is really cool. And I think you've had a lot of people using that since the last time we talked. So probably even some uh, additional development that I haven't seen, but uh, that's really cool. But recently, we've been talking about this on Laravel News and you and I have been talking about it on Telegram a little bit, uh, but it's this brand new thing that you have called Saloon. So we're going to be talking about that today, which I'm really excited about uh, but before we get to that, uh, maybe for people who haven't heard you on the show before or who are not familiar with you, uh, I thought maybe you could just uh, introduce yourself real quick, where you work, uh, where we can find you on Twitter, all that good stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, yep. So my name's Sam. Um, you may know me as uh, SammyJo20 on GitHub or Kare underscore Sam on Twitter. Um, but I'm a software developer from the south of the UK. Um, I work at a fantastic company called Copotato, where we build um, AP, um, API integrations. We build um, fantastic fintech apps for the financial industry in the UK. And um, yeah, they're cool. I, I was looking at the website for Code Potato, and I saw that on the very front page, it says, start your engines but not start your starch s-t-a-r-c-h starch your engines i thought that was really <laughs> that was really catchy yeah. i don't know who the marketing person is that came up with that but uh, you need to give them a bonus because that was pretty awesome i had a good laugh about that one <laughs> fantastic yeah there are a few uh potato related jokes in there well you've got to you've got to have yeah. a bit of fun and and especially in the financial industry um usually a lot of people are, are so serious and and you know having exactly. potato come yep. along and start your engines it uh it puts a smile on people's faces so i'm glad it that works is, that is funny in addition to that some of the having fun aspects so i've noticed that you know we've got lasso we've got saloon now i noticed that on twitter uh you have got a cowboy hat on in your picture now <laughs> I, I gotta know yeah. what's what's the theme here what what's the uh you know have you always been a like a uh, an american cowboy sort of out west fan or like like the old john wayne movies or or what is it for you so <laughs> I like to describe myself as uh, a bit like in um, the Toby Keith song, I should have been a cowboy. Um, oh, okay. So I'm, nice. I'm, I'm, as, I'm as British as you can get. Um, and uh, I really wish I would have been a cowboy in America. As That's you say, hilarious. John Wayne. Um, yep. I absolutely love uh, country music. And, um, okay. and yeah, it's just sort of a fun sort of persona I give off. Uh, it but, follows, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it kind of follows you around, like even in your docs, like at the basics, we have a little emoji with a cowboy hat on, you know, it's just absolutely you, it's, little it's Little exactly the little hints, the little cowboy hints around. So that's awesome, man. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Saloon a little bit. So this is at a very, very high level, allows us to write API integrations essentially, right? So it's um, you know, maybe HTTP is a thing that has come into Laravel in the last iteration. I think in version eight, we now have this like, HTTP client, which allows us to do some things that uh, were written on top of Guzzle. Um, and so yours is similar in it's sort of in that same vein, but it takes a little bit of a different approach. Um, so let's talk about what exactly was your motivation for creating this? What, you know, there's a lot of libraries out there that do HTTP stuff. So what were some of these other libraries lacking that you were hoping to solve with, with Saloon? Yeah, well, brilliant. You've, you've sort of started me off there already with, uh, the introduction of, uh, the HTTP facade and, um, 
and uh, Guzzle. Um, but yeah, the best the best sort of way to introduce Saloon would probably be to be talking about the current problem that developers face when it comes to API integrations. Um, and I've built a lot of API integrations in the last few years I've been um, developing at Copotato. Um, and one of the problems that I keep facing is um, reusability and testing. So um, the HTTP uh, client is fantastic and Laravel and Guzzle, they're both fantastic tools and and I always recommend them whenever people ask me about which sort of client they would use. But um, one sort of repeating problem that I see is that you, you know, you have to copy and paste your API integrations across multiple places in your code. Um, a lot of the time I find that developers will make their own sort of service classes. So if you've got an API integration, you'd call it, you know, Laravel Forge service, or you'd call it, you know, API integration service. You'd, you'd sort of wrap it up into a service so you can reuse it. Um, and I do find that so when it comes to API integrations and using Guzzle and that, it's hard with teams because um, someone might have written an integration in a certain way in one place in an application. However, it may be written in a different place. So what Saloon does is it simplifies the, the process of, of creating API integrations by giving you an object-oriented um, like pattern and fluent way of writing API integrations. Um, it essentially allows you to wrap up an API um, into a connector and requests. And those are classes that you can use across your whole application. So um, rather than you know writing an API integration with Guzzle in one place in a controller and then having to write it somewhere else, like in an action, you've got one class that you write once, you specify the headers once, um, and you know your API key once, and it makes it a lot more easier to test and and reuse. And that whole the whole my whole thing at Copotato, everyone would know me for is is standardizing everything. So this is another thing that it does. So um, yeah, that's sort of like my elevator pitch for Saloon. I love it. Yeah, and it's uh, so you know a lot of libraries that are really popular, like so Stripe will have like a PHP SDK, right? Um, right. But I integrate with, and it sounds like you do as well, with a lot of uh, you know, APIs that don't necessarily come with a PHP SDK out of the box. So we're a lot of times tasked with creating this right from scratch sort of. And so uh, your this saloon allows us to, in a lot of ways, almost create our own SDK, right? Uh, that we can use in our app. You could almost honestly, though, if you're going to be integrating it with uh, integrating with that API across multiple Laravel apps or multiple PHP applications, you could almost extract this own little SDK that you're creating with Saloon out to a package and consume it within all your different applications as well. Um, so very cool. So who is this for? Like, is this a Laravel only thing? What's what's the deal? So um, it's sort of for every, everyone that uses PHP. So um, if you're um, writing a PHP SDK, you could use Saloon and you could use it to wrap up your API request to make that sort of standardized. Um, if you're using Laravel, you can use it with Laravel. And um, I actually have written a separate Laravel package that you install and it comes with Laravel commands and a sort of bit more tighter integration with Laravel, like using its service container and things like that. But I really wanted to let everyone use Saloon. So in, rather than building a Laravel package this time, it is a PHP package with Laravel batteries included, as people call it. Nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's for everyone. Very cool. And so 
in the back end, I'm just curious, are you using Guzzle back behind the scenes to kind of coordinate all of these items? Or is there something else that you're using back there? Uh, yeah, so it's using Guzzle behind the scenes. And okay. um, sort of my my reasoning behind that was because Guzzle is is widely used in the PHP Absolutely. community, yep. um, well tested, um, and it has a bunch of features and like all the Guzzle options and things like that. Um, Saloon sort of wraps around all that. So that's why it's quite cool. Yeah, and you could probably even eject at some point, right, if you needed to, like, if you needed to get out of Saloon and get back to Guzzle, if there was something that Guzzle provided, like behind the scenes that you needed to get at, I'm sure you could probably do that as well, right? So there's a lot of conveniences and niceties that Saloon provides. But if you need to eject out of Saloon and then get back to just base Guzzle, you could probably do that too. Uh, so that's pretty nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, why don't we? Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Sam. I was just I was just going to go um go on to that a little bit more. Um, where Saloon does actually have features that let you interact with Guzzle under the hood, essentially. So nice. um, give give all the power to, to the developer. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about how we actually would get started with it. I, I wanted to mention real quickly before we go through that, the docs that you've provided for this are absolutely gorgeous. And I know that you had said on Twitter not too long ago uh, that you were using Gitbook to do this. And you know, just like anything else, there are so many different options as far as what you could use to document a package. Some people just use uh, the readme on GitHub. Some people actually create like a dedicated website for it. Um, so tell me just a real quickly about like Gitbook. Um, I've not used it before. What's your experience been with it? Like I said, it looks absolutely awesome. It looks really, really good. What's your experience been like with Gitbook? How has it been uh, writing up documentation with that? To be honest, yeah, Gitbook has been uh, a pleasure. It's been a gold mine for writing documentation. Um, before I have been writing documentation in readme files. And mm -hmm. when I was about to write the documentation for Saloon, I was thinking, do I use something like um, that view package that lets you write docs with view? Or do I yeah, use, yeah. you know, like a markdown converter? But I came across Gitbook and it's really great because you don't actually have to write any code in markdown, although I believe you can if you want to. Um, and it has a fantastic user interface. The, the sort of closest I would um, compare it to in terms of user interface would probably be something like Notion. So okay. if you're familiar with Notion and like yeah. the ability to just very quickly add a block or add a heading or something like that, um, Gitbook does all of that. And um, and it has a free tier for the open source community. So um, it, I'm, I'm not paying anything for it um, thanks to Gitbook and they have a great free plan and um, it's, it's fast as well. So um, it ticks all the boxes for me and, and, it, and it allowed me to separate what would be a really complicated readme into nice sections that I think is a bit more readable for the developer. It absolutely is. Yeah. As just as I was sort of exploring their docs, trying to figure out exactly where I want to, you know, find these different pieces. And we talked a little bit about this. Uh, I'm currently interacting with this XML SOAP API thing. So I was like, I wonder if this could do any of that stuff. So yeah, the docs were really easy to kind of breeze through and it provides a search in the top right as well, which is super handy. So I can just search XML and see if it, you know, if that's anywhere in here. So uh, yeah, really great job on that. So let's let's dive in a little bit then. So let's talk about how we get started. Um, I'm guessing installation is just composer stuff. Uh, but once we've got that installed, what, what's the next step? So the first step when it comes to Saloon would be to create a connector. And um, a connector is essentially um, the, the face of the API. It's like all the details that would make up what you need to do to create that API call. So what is the base URL of the API? Um, what are the default headers that you want to send across all your API requests for this API integration? Um, what are the default Guzzle configuration options you may want to send? So, um, you know, you may want to send timeout or you may want to send um, a specific um, debugging 
mode or something like that. So a connector is is a class that you would wrap in those first initial parts of. So that's sort of like your um and I'm I'm going to maybe jump ahead a tiny bit, but okay. with having a connector, uh, I'm assuming later you kind of have requests that and then end up utilizing a connector. Uh, because you've separated out that connector, um, it may make it easier to sort of swap that out later. Uh, you could sort of use a request with a different connector possibly. The only reason I ask that is because that's sort of how we end up. We, you know, we're not using Saloon right now, uh, but what we typically do is we have a client that will bind in the container. And then we have like a little API class that just has a bunch of methods on it, right? And all we do is we basically just swap out the the uh, client at uh, at runtime so that when we're in testing, we're just basically using a fake. Um, does that does that at all have any parity with kind of how you've set this up with connectors? These and I'm trying to think of it. It's like you know you've got this machine over here, which is like your your little API SDK that you've written, but then you have like a little plug that connects into the wall almost. You know what I mean? But like you can, instead of plugging it into production, you can plug it into like testing as well. So you can just swap out the connector really easily. I'm not sure if that's if that's the case or not. I'm just curious if that's how it works. So with a request, you're right. So the, you would create a request class and you would specify the connector that the request class is, is talking to. Um, and you can't really easily swap out connectors as time goes on. You, you can with methods, actually. There is a way to set the connector in runtime for a particular request, but a, a request will have a default connector that is assigned to it. Um, but but yeah, essentially, the the request is, is what is defined as all of the API, you know, for example, if you're getting a list of users, um, the request would have the endpoint forward slash users, but it would define a connector called facebook controller or something like that and that mm-hmm. would define the base endpoint of it so the connector is sort of like the hub if you if you imagine like something um flowing through a chain it would be like um uh the beginning it starts with a request then it goes through to the connector gets all the the default information that it needs and then it wraps them all together um and then sends the request off and um and the beauty of that is that you can actually modify everything in runtime. So the request itself can also have default headers and default configuration that will overwrite the connector's defaults um, or extend the connector's defaults if you have separate um, headers. Um, and as I mentioned earlier on, you can also modify the connector or um, construct your own connector with with something different and pass it into the request. So um, oh, nice. it's quite pluggable quite pluggable you can um you can do all sorts of fancy things as well um and in fact i've actually just uh, published a new release which allows you to use your connector as if it's like an sdk class so without trying to talk too much about code typically with an sdk you would um call the 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 class so let's say it's the aws sdk you'd bring in the, the class and then you'd um put arrow and then the the request method that you'd want yep. to actually send um well with the new release of uh, of uh, saloon you can actually do that as well so you could have your um forge connector arrow gets users and it would actually point to the request class that you've defined um so there's this sort of pattern that um is very plug and play um and swappable as well so i hope that's sort of helps clear things up a bit it does and it's sort of uh the reason i ask that is because when i first came to this it was a little bit confusing for me because of exactly what you just mentioned um the way that i'm used to consuming apis is i bring in a class and then i'll call a request off of that class right i sort of chain it off of that 
um, that class, like whether it's AWS, whether it's Stripe, whatever I'm doing, right? I'm going to bring that class in first and then I'm going to make a method call on that thing. Um, but the way that Saloon is set up, uh, at least previous to your release that you just talked about, is you have these connectors, but then sort of the first class citizens are these requests, right? Which we've sort of touched on a little bit, uh, but maybe you could talk about that portion next. Yeah, of course. So when you actually want to send a request with Saloon, um, traditionally, yes, you would instantiate the request class. And of course, because you've defined which connector it talks to, um, it would have all of its information. And then there's a method on the request class called send. So you would instantiate the request and then you'd run the send method and that will make the API request and then return with a Saloon response. Um, So that's how that works. But of course, as you mentioned, you could also now um, recall it from the connector. So um, whichever way you prefer to work, if you'd prefer to work by calling the request first as its first party, you can. However, if you want to do it with the connector, it uses reflection class behind the scenes and actually manages the call, to call the request from the connector as well. So that's pretty handy. That's that's pretty. Uh, I love that. I love how you did that. That's uh, really interesting. So does it look to see? Um, does it say? And I, again, I'm sort of on a rabbit trail here a little bit. But when you call the connector and you say, let's just use a concrete example, you say forge connector. And then you say, get uh, servers, right? Does it look at the get servers request and make sure that it has the correct connector? Absolutely. That's exactly how it works. Yeah. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. So I'm going to back up just a touch here because I want to, I think it's really helpful if we use like concrete examples and I love in your docs, it does that. So if we have a connector and we're going to say forge connector, that's like, that's what you have in your docs. And I, I, I think we should just follow that. What would I define in the connector? Like, let's talk like some concrete examples. So you have the base URL. So this is probably going to be like the API endpoint that I'm going to point all my requests to, to talk to Forge, right? So forge.laravel.com slash API or whatever it might be, right? So that's going to be like my base URL. Would this also be where I would pass in my authorization tokens and that sort of stuff? Is that where that goes is in that connector? Exactly. Yeah. So to save repeating yourself, you put it all in the connector. That makes sense. Okay, great. So we've got the, it's all set up in there. I've got my base URL. I've got all my authorization tokens and everything that I would use to authenticate every single request that I'm going to make that goes in the connector. Now I'm going to make a request. And in my request, I want to get all my servers. So uh, talk me through creating a new request. So um, you'd create a new class that extends a Saloon request. Um, however, if you're using Laravel, you can use PHP Artisan Saloon request to actually create that request class for oh, you. Nice. Um, and then the first step you'd need to do is define, let me just quickly have a look at the docs here, um, is you define what method that you want to send in the request. So whether, whether that be gets, posts, puts, or okay. patch, or that something like that. Yep. Um, the second thing that you need to define is the connector. So mm-hmm. we would, for the get servers request, we would specify the forge connector. And then the final part is is the endpoint for that and you know for that request so um if we're getting all the servers it might be just forward slash servers okay right that makes sense so if you say get all servers you're going to have that's the name of your request is get all forge servers um then that's just going to be your endpoint it's just going to be slash servers that's it so let's say like maybe i'm interested in getting a specific server um so i maybe know the idea of that server what's that going to look like would i use the same request or would I create a different request? How does that typically work? So you'd probably make a separate request class. So you'd have a maybe a request class to get all the servers and then you'd have one for get an individual server. However, um, you can you can create a constructor on the request to pass in the data. So as it's just a normal PHP class, you create a constructor to pass in the server ID 
and then uh, you can actually just concatenate the server ID with the original endpoint in your request. So, you know, if if the API endpoint to get an individual server would be um, 4JPI slash servers forward slash then the server ID, you would take the server ID in as a constructor argument on the request, and then you'd concatenate that variable onto the end of the endpoint. Yeah, as I'm looking at the documents, it makes it, the documentation, it makes it so clear too. I love that it's not, <clears throat> there's not a ton of there's a little bit of convention, but the rest of it is just common sense. You know, it's like, it's a very, it's a very just vanilla PHP class with just a couple things added on. If I want to pass something in, I just pass it in and then I can utilize it later in my defined endpoint method. So I love that. It's really, really simple. Um, okay. So the other thing that's really handy on these request class two is although you've specified headers and things like that and configs in your connector, um, requests can override any of that, right? So like if a specific request needs to have a particular type of header or, you know, you have a different config that you want to pass for that specific request, uh, you can uh, pass methods that are going to override what's set in your connector. Exactly. Yeah. So yes. um, it, will, it will sort of use array merge to merge those arrays together. So if you have um, different headers or different configuration options in in your, in your uh, request, as you compared to your connector, it would merge them together. However, your request would take priority. So if you've changed like the content type or if you've changed um, the timeout mm-hmm. on a particular request, it will overwrite what you've written in the connector. That makes total sense. Cause like maybe typically my timeout is whatever, but if I'm gonna be getting, get all the deployments that I've ever made, right? And that might take a little bit longer, you know, depending on what type of thing I'm doing. Um, you know, or depending on how long my server has been out there, it might be that that timeout needs to be a little bit longer. And so in the request itself, I can then specify and override that base connector. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, okay. What else do we have here? So you talk about query parameters and attaching data and things like that to these requests as well. Um, and this was something again, that was interesting to me because, uh, as I was looking at this in, for example, like with these XML requests that I have to do. I have to just define a big XML body, right? And I just have to send it through as like a raw body. So how do we how do we do that in a request? So in a request, you would define um, a trait that actually tells Saloon a little bit about the request body that you're going to send. So um, for example, for XML, you would add the has XML body trait to your request. Um, and that will actually give you a method called define xml body and and that would still be a string but um it just allows you but it will set all the headers that you need for xml um and it would be up to you to actually send the data as an xml string and you know maybe you can use something like um sparty's um array to xml uh, which is a great package for that um however saloon supports all, all different types of data types as well so um one of the most common is is json um, and if you've worked with the HTTP client in Laravel or if you've worked with Guzzle, you'll be used to sending um, an array as the JSON data and it would convert it into, into a JSON string. So if you're using JSON, you would add the has JSON body trait to your request. And then you could define the default data that you can send on the request. And um, and as, as well as defining like the default data in all these instances, you can overwrite the data as you're as you've called the request in runtime as well so if you need to pass data in to set that you know the stuff that you're sending you can do that as well yeah so like it looks like you can new up the request type um, and you have all the defaults that are set up in your request by default 
you knew it up and all those things are available. But then once you knew it up, you can then modify those values as well. So you kind of have like one more chance to override it before you end up sending the request, right? So like you said, like in runtime, depending on where you're actually calling it at, you can then add a query parameter uh, to that request before you send it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Wow. So, so much customizability. I love that. Okay. Um, we then have, uh, I was going to, my, my other question was then like, okay, so like, how do we finally make the call? Um, but we could talk about plugins if we care to before that, where do you think would fit best? Yeah. I think plugins are probably before you actually send the request. So that, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about those a little bit. Okay, so plugins essentially are, again, trying to save you from repeating yourself all the time. So it, let's give a scenario. Let's say you're, um, you've got two API integrations that you're going to make. Maybe you've got one, uh, like a Forge connector, and then you've got uh, maybe a Statamic connector or, or something like that from a separate API service. However, there's a header that you want to send all the time on all the requests or all of the connectors. It doesn't even matter um, that they're completely separate API integrations. Um, plugins are, are essentially just traits that Saloon can recognize um, and add on data for you when they add them. So with a plugin, you can um, define a method that will um, automatically boot be booted up before the request is sent. Um, and in there, you can do anything that you could have done on the request. So you can add headers, you can add config, you could add data. Um, you can add guzzle middleware. So if you really wanted to edit how guzzle works under the seat, you know, behind the scenes, like if you wanted to install a caching plugin or something like that, um, you can really get down, get down dirty and, you know, really um, get under the hood of Saloon in a pl- plugin as well. So if you, yeah. So like, for example, it's something that um, you may want to um, like, so a good example here is like accepts JSON. Right. So the plugin adds the accept application JSON header to your request. So instead of in every single place where you're going to be interacting with an API that returns JSON, um, instead of having to define that as a header in each one, you just say use accepts JSON. And now that's uh, that's going to be true about all the headers that go out from that particular connector. Yeah, exactly. So there are also yeah. some plugins that we've defined as, as well. So you can install the accept JSON plugin and it would add, add that header on every single request right or or like you're saying like you can write your own too like it's really easy to write your own plugin and then just throw that on any uh any connector that you'd want to put that in and is that the is that true for requests as well could you use plugins for requests too or is it typically just for a connector so the the one thing i'm really proud about um is that you can actually add them to both so if you wanted them to be applied if you wanted like the header or the config to be applied on all the requests you could put it on the connector or you could put it on the request for an individual request basis so that's really that's cool. awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, great. So we've talked through, we've set up a connector, we've got our API keys added, we've got our base URL, we've got a request set up that we want to get all of our servers. And we've said, here's the endpoint that we're going to use to do that. We've maybe even passed in some data through the constructor and built out sort of the URL endpoint that we're going to hit. We've put a plugin on that says we're going to accept JSON and we're going to cache this response for 10 minutes or something. Uh, so how do we then send a request. So we've got all that sort of scaffolded together. What's What do we actually do? We're in our particular job or in our controller or whatever. We want to call this endpoint. How do we do that? So the easiest way would be to, to new up that request class. So you'd new it up and then you can pass in any data that you may have defined in a constructor or if you've not, um, you could just leave it as it is. And then you can just call the send method, which will send the request out. Awesome. Okay, so that's it. And then we now have a response coming back. So is there anything special about the response 
Uh, you know, up until this point, we've just been talking about the cycle of getting the request ready to go. So now we call send. And what are we typically getting back? Is this, um, uh, is there anything that you kind of added on the response side of things? Or what's the story post request? Yeah, so so another, that was a sort of another problem that I had with Guzzle is that when you get the response back, it's, um, it's a PSR7 response. And it's, right. um, you know, it, it's, it's very, very handy. It's got loads of functionality, but um, as a developer, you just want to have quick methods to um, get the data out of it or something like that. So um, you'll actually receive a class called saloon response back. Um, and it has um, a bunch of methods on there to actually pull specific types of data out of it, um, automatically throw exceptions. Um, and and you can actually get the original guzzle response back as well. So yeah. Do you have any awesome. questions about that? Yeah, I actually so honestly before we uh, before we did this, I looked through a lot of the documentation, but I did not look at the response stuff. So no, this is really good. So we have things like is cached, so um, or you know okay. Some of these things are are items that we've had probably uh, maybe even some of this was inspired by some of the things on Laravel. So you can throw if you want to, you can call a uh, or you can pass through a callable if there's an error. Um, or just grab, like you said, the guzzle response or the PSR response or all that. Um, I'm curious about the is cached. So what is that? How does that work? What is that asking specifically? So at the moment, the caching plugin for for, uh, for Saloon hasn't quite been finished yet. Um, but that will actually automatically set to true if the response that you receive back has been is, is a cached response. So, um, you know, there'll be a coming soon. There's a Saloon, Saloon plugin, which will allow you to it will read the cache headers from the response that gets back and it will actually store it within uh like laravel or store it within a store that you specify if you're using a normal php app but so um if we return you back a cached response it will say true on that so you do actually know ah this is a cached response so it's good for debugging so that's what that one's for very cool. So you actually talk a little bit about in here as well. So like custom responses. So in some cases, you might want to use your own response class. So you're returning this saloon re- response, which is great. Um, but maybe you want to cast that response to a DTO or something like that. What is that? How does that look? Um, so I know that in some of the things that I'm dealing with, like this SOAP API, um, it attempts to do that, right? Where I get a response back and it attempts to cast it to a DTO. What's the story on that? How do we typically do that? So the um, the way you can create a custom response um, is you you have to extend Saloon's response, but it could be any any class that you create. Um, and then you define that custom response on either the connector or the request. Um, and again, the same rule applies. If you put it on the connector, you'll receive your response class on all the requests within that connector. However, if you put the custom response class on the request, you'll receive it just for that request. And because it's your own class that extends Saloon's response, you can um, change the way Saloon's methods work, or you can add your own, you know, cast it to a DTO and stuff like that. So it really lets you add your own methods that will always get sent back rather than, um, I didn't necessarily want to rely on something like macroable. If you, if you've heard of that, um, Mm -hmm. it, it, it actually gives you the option to replace the, the response class that you get back. So it's great if you want to extend that as well. That is really nice. So if I'm making a request, I can always, I can basically type the response that I'm going to get back, which is pretty handy, especially with, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, too, uh, were you able to watch Laracon a couple of days ago? I did dip in and out of it. Yeah. 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 So a lot of stuff with, you know, it seems like a lot of people are going towards like strictly typed PHP, right? So they can use PHP stand or Laristan to kind of inspect their code. Um, so some of these things where like you're able to 
uh, type a custom response straight out of Saloon uh, so that you know that when I call Saloon, I'm actually going to get this type of response back. It's really handy for not only uh, making your code easier to read, but also for inspecting it with things like PHP stand or Laristan. So that's pretty nice. Um, okay, so then the a big part of this for me is testing, right? And it sounded like it was for you as well. So, you know, one of the things you had mentioned at the very top was, why did I create this? Well, you said that testing and faking tends to be a little bit difficult when you're interacting with some of these APIs. So um, what is the testing story for Saloon? So um, I had to I had to give credit to, you know, the amazing Taylor Otwell um, and the HTTP client he's already made because um, I've taken a lot of inspiration for testing based on the HTTP client. So um, with Saloon, um, you can actually, this is where it starts to split off in two different directions. So if you're using Laravel, um, there's actually a few more features you can take hold of. However, there is testing for um, just normal PHP apps as well, if you want to. Um, but the idea is that you can create a mock client with Saloon, where you define a bunch of mock responses. And then when you send the request, um, it will actually reply back with a mock response rather than a real response from the API. So this is great. You know, if we if we look back at our Forge server example, um, if we want to test how our app responds to a list of servers, we can actually send it a fake list of servers and then, you know, see if the if our application processes it correctly, comes out with the right data and that sort of thing. So, so yeah. Yeah, very nice. So you can sort of say, here's what I'm expecting and then pass it through your, uh, pass it through your request and make sure that you get back what you're expecting as well. So you've got uh, basic usage, which is like you have like, you can send through a sequence of responses that you're going to get for, if you call it the first time, this is what you're going to get back as response. The second time, this is what you're going to get back. The third time, this is what you're going to get back. Uh, you can actually mock the entire connector. Uh, you can mock a specific request. You can mock a particular URL. So there's a lot of great stuff in there. And then you can also add expectations as well. So you can assert uh, all sorts of things uh, for, straight from uh, Saloon. So you can Saloon, assert sent, uh, assert nothing sent, sent JSON, all of that good stuff. Um, so that's great. So that's really, really, it's familiar, right? It feels great because like when you're getting started with it, for me, at least as a Laravel developer, I like to be able to call like the class and then fake. And that's exactly what you have here. You follow that convention. So saloon, colon, colon, fake, and then you can pass in all those different, uh, options. So that's really nice. So how about the non uh, Laravel side of things? Um, is it similar in, in, uh, sort of how the API is shaped? Uh, what are what if any are the are the differences there between the Laravel side of things and the non-Laravel side of things? So another really cool part of Saloon is actually it's exactly the same syntax. So um, the API, the the different ways that you can mock with normal PHP and Laravel are exactly the same. So um, it's just the way that you actually have to call it. So with Laravel, um, you have a the really the, the amazing container that sort of right. caches things in the background um, and allows you to. Um, you know, say, hey, saloon fake, and then you could run nested, you can run your request somewhere else, and then it would still know that that's the same class. Um, however, with non, non-PHP, where you don't have a container, um, it, it, you, you can just new up a mock client instead that you have to pass into your requests. However, um, you get exactly the same functionality. Um, but the only benefit to Laravel is just that it's cached behind the scenes in Laravel's app. Yeah, as I was looking through them, they're extremely similar. Uh, so yeah, that's really nice. Really, really consistent there. Really consistent API. So we've got a couple other items that are on here, which is these response interceptors and handlers and middleware. I have not looked at either of these in the documentation, but maybe you could give us a, a quick overview of kind of each of those. Of course. So 
Uh, response interceptors are essentially um, a bit like if you've worked with Axios interceptors, it sort of works the same. So um, when when you add a response interceptor, it will run a custom closure, closure that you define um, and you can run any logic within there. So, um, you know, for a specific request, you could add a response interceptor. So what that would do is when the re- when the response comes in, it will go through any response interceptors that you define and run the closure. So you could um, use it to log the amount of requests that you send, or you could, um, you know, if you if you see a specific value, you could throw an error, or you could you can sort of do anything before the response goes back to you. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does absolutely. Very interesting. So you could say like if it contains a particular piece of data, you could do something as well because you can actually use you have the request and the response available to you in that closure. Um, So depending if you said if I have a request that contains a particular client, for example, right, you could you could send it somewhere, right, you could actually even log it to a separate thing. Like if you had particular client requirements that said that if you're going to be interacting with something that's to do with us, we need you to log it to this particular location or something so that we can pick it up and take a look at the logs, right? Um, you have the ability to do that. You could do all that straight inside of that response interceptor. That's awesome. Do you have like a request interceptor as well? Or is that pretty much like what a middleware is? Um, yeah, so the the request interceptors would be the middleware. So okay. um, so moving on to handlers and middleware, um, this is actually an API that is, that's made by Guzzle behind the scenes. But um, Saloon gives you a really easy... Um, you know, w- ways to actually talk to that API. So a handler and a middleware can actually do both um, request intercepting and response intercepting. So the really cool thing about that is that, um, you know, let's go back to request intercepting. You could add a handler that adds a header um, automatically for you, or, it, you know, it, it checks something before the request is actually sent. Um, and then you can also use a handler in Guzzle to change how the response looks. So um, whenever you see like a caching plugin with Guzzle, uh, behind the scenes, it's actually using handlers and middleware. So they're an incredible tool to use. And I just couldn't miss that out in, in Saloon. So it, it gives you that flexibility to actually um, speak to the, the Guzzle request right before it's sent. Um, so unfortunately, you don't actually have access to Saloon's API at that point. It's actually already a, a Guzzle request ready to go. But you can add the last bits and you know, if you've if you're porting it from a Guzzle API, um, you can you can add anything extra that you need to within that. That's a great point. Yeah, because for people who are maybe hoping to move from a really sort of simple Guzzle, I say simple. Uh, what do I mean by that? Lower level sort of uh, API uh, interaction that they've had previously in their app, like you said, like just straight up Guzzle, and they have handlers and things like that. Uh, having this in there allows them to be able to move over to something like Saloon without having to dig into the Guzzle stuff. Uh, you know, just like um, having to go straight straight in there and sort of hack around on Saloon, you provide that for them uh, as a first class sort of uh, citizen, right? With this ad handler method. Uh, so nice. That's awesome. Very, very good. Sammy, this is incredible, my friend. I cannot imagine <laughs> how much time you probably spent on this. Um, and uh, since it's uh, for work, I, I'm guessing they probably give you a little bit of time on the clock to work on this too, which is great. So uh, Code Potato basically uh, benefits the entire community then. So thanks, Code Potato. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> over there. We appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. 
Well, Amazing. Sam, is there anything else that we need to know about uh, before we kind of wrap things up here? Anything else you wanted to mention that I maybe didn't touch on? Um, no, not really. Um, other than a couple of things maybe that I'm adding into Saloon within the next few weeks, maybe, if you want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's hear about it. Absolutely. So, of course, we're going to be adding in the um, caching plugin. So I was actually going to be adding in two ways of caching. So um, if you think about Laravel, um, usually you can really define how you want something to be cached. You can define how long something should be cached or where it should be cached and, you know, which store it should be placed in like Redis or a database. Um, so when the Saloon caching plugin comes out, there'll be two ways to cache. You'll be able to cache either implicitly, is what, how I'm calling it, which is okay. where it reads the headers from the response. So if, if a particular API request says, hey, you can cache me for 10, hour, 10 hours, then it will read that and, and learn from that. However, you can define an explicit caching strategy where you actually define, right, for this request, I want you to store this for a day or two days or something like that. Um, and that can be really useful for particular API requests. For example, uh, we have one with a financial provider um, that sends us like a list of um, companies. And that and that list barely ever changes, but we need to get that from an API. So and they don't send any cash caching headers as as we <laughs> right, as we'd expect. Course. So so in some situations you may actually want to define your own caching. So so that's one thing that I think is really cool that's coming to Saloon too. Um, someone else is also working on a rate limiting plugin, so nice. that sounds really cool. Um, yep. And um, and yeah, I mean, maybe maybe very very future ideas is things like swapping out Guzzle or making Guzzle swappable. So if you didn't want to actually use Guzzle under the hood, you know, maybe Saloon could actually provide you with an option to choose which API client you want to use. So um, exciting things in the pipeline, but um, yeah, I'm just excited that people are, are using it already. So. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. How is the, how is it? Uh, have you been able to track any of sort of like the downloads? Have you found have, have uh, people been using it and downloading it? Yeah. So I'd say Saloon's probably been out for about four or five weeks now, and it's got um, almost four hundred stars on GitHub. Wow. And that's about, impressive. Um, just just gone over a thousand downloads on uh, packages. So that's amazing. That's really that is really amazing. Cool. Nice. I'm nice really work. So that. I also see you have uh, some great sort of uh, art at the top of your readme. Did you make this? Uh, unfortunately not no i did find it <laughs> online it's credited at the bottom but um i just thought it was it was too good not to put it in it's, it just looks beautiful and and um i'm always fond when when i go to like a, a documentation page something to to remind me of it you know um if i'm looking for a particular tool it's like uh something that i'll that people remind people of it and maybe the saloon graphic will will, will do but um Absolutely. No, i found that online <laughs> so you also had one other item that is uh that i haven't really talked about before and that i thought maybe be interesting this is from like february of last year but we have wagon wheel is the only other one that i was noticing that is sort of following that same convention of you know the western theme um so in like 10 seconds or not 10 seconds in 30 <laughs> seconds can you tell me about like what wagon wheel is real quick so wagon wheel is a laravel package that lets you automatically create an online version of an email and it will even okay it will even add a banner at the top of your email to say, if you can't see this email, click here to view it in the browser. Oh, nice. Yeah. So like if somebody's on their phone or something like that, or even in an old uh, clunky you know, <laughs> email client and they can't yeah. see the full email, they can then just click that and it'll it'll take them to uh, the online version. Of it. Nice. That's awesome. Well, yeah. hey, man, you're just all over the place. I appreciate all the work you've put into this. This is uh, This is why I love being a part of this community. I feel like there's so many people who are just 
really uh, smart and want to dedicate the time to be able to provide uh, these things to the community. So thanks a lot for your work on this. And thanks for coming on and explaining uh, explaining how it works and some of what's going on behind the scenes to us. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me, Jake. And um, yeah. yeah, hope everyone My takes pleasure. care. Cheers. Yeah. What, uh, what is, real quickly, one, one more thing before I let you go. Uh, if somebody does not uh, yet follow you, I know you mentioned it at the top of the show, but for anybody who's made it this far, uh, where can we follow you online? So you can find me on GitHub, um, which is uh, SammyJoe20, uh, or you could find me on Twitter, which is uh, Kare underscore Sam on Twitter. Just find the guy with the cowboy hat that looks a bit crazy. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks again, Sam. I appreciate it, man. Until next time, my friend. We'll see you later. Cheers, Jake. See you later. Bye.